Welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle, a podcast for midlife moms who want to make the next season of life their best one yet. I am your host, Jenny Gwynn. You might find yourself transitioning into a new phase of life as your children become more independent or leave the nest. Mama, I am here to tell you that your life isn't over. You simply have new opportunities ahead of you. After years of pouring your heart and soul into raising your family, it is your turn to reconnect with yourself. In this podcast, we will talk about the joys and challenges of midlife. You will be inspired to rediscover your God-given purpose or to dust off old dreams and make them a reality. You'll learn how to navigate relationships with your adult children, to reconnect in your marriage, or focus on your health by being more active or finally losing the weight you've struggled with for years. Whatever this next season of life brings, this podcast will equip and encourage you to be happy, healthy, and holy. Hey friends, welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle. Thank you for joining me today. One of my goals each week is to equip and encourage you to live a happy, healthy, and holy life. Let's be honest, this has been a tough week. It has really been anything but happy if you're here in the Nashville area or surrounding areas. If you're anything like me, then you are trying to process and come to terms with the recent school shooting at the Covenant School here in Nashville. I've had so many questions bouncing around in my mind, but one of the biggest questions that I keep going back to, the question that wakes me up in the middle of the night is simply, why? Why has this happened? Why does it continue to happen? Why does God allow it to happen? To help me make sense of this senseless tragedy and to equip and encourage you to do the same, I want to look at it from a spiritual perspective. So I have invited Father Dan Rehill to join me today. Father Dan is the pastor at St. Catharines in Columbia, and he's also a good friend. Welcome, Father Dan. Hi, Jenny. Good to be with you. Thank you for being here. So, Father Dan... I am sure that in the face of this tragedy and in your work, lots of tragedies have come up for the people that you pastor, the people in your churches. You are asked this question, why? Yes, all the time. Yes. And so one of the responses that I always use when things don't work out or maybe God answers prayers in a different way is that God has a reason for everything. And that seems to work in situations like not getting the job promotion or your vacation mm-hmm. being canceled. But in this situation, thinking that there's a reason for this suffering and this tragedy and this just this horrific act, that that doesn't work. No. So, so why do you think God allows such things to happen? Well, first you have to understand that there's, God has a, a perfect will for man, and then he has a permissible will for man. God's perfect will is that all men and women would become saints in this life and worship them forever in the next. He wants everyone to get to heaven. But because the only way we can prove we love God is to have a free will to choose God, God values free will extremely highly among all the things he gave men. It's at the top of the list. Because if we don't have a free will, we can't actually choose to love God. If we were like the animals, we would operate under instinct. And that would be 
although probably nice, it's not the highest form of love, which is to choose to be with somebody uh, with our own will and our own desire. So that's why he gave us free will. The problem with free will is that you can choose to do the good and you can choose to do the bad. And so when people choose to do the bad, that impacts other people who are trying to do good, as in the case of these six people that were shot down on Monday. So why would God allow it? Well, he has to allow free will in order that we can choose him, right? Right. Could he have intervened? He could have sent angels. He could have, there were many things he could have done. We don't know how he operates. We know there are basic truths about God. We can, we can stand firm on that he loves us. He's faithful forever. He's never unfaithful. But we never understand how he's going to do something. He changes the way he does things every day. And we're never, we're always like a second grader playing chess with a world champion. Mm-hmm. We, we're, he, we're 25 moves behind and we're never going to know the way he's going to go in his direction or how he's going to do something. So you can't know it. Now, some people think, why did he create evil? He didn't create evil. God made everything, and it says, the scripture says, and it was good. And then when he made man, he said it was very good. So everything God created was good. The first beings that went against God were the angels. The disobedient angels said they will not serve, and Lucifer led the charge against God, and they were thrown out of heaven. And because of their disobedience, they were deformed and, and became these demons who now work against God. And they can't get back at God. God's untouchable. Uh, Jesus, for a time, was touchable when he was on earth, and that's, that's the result was his crucifixion and death. They, they, they were behind that. They were inspiring the Romans to kill him, not realizing that would be the very end of death, eternal death. So in order to wage war against God, the devil and his minions go after God's children, which is us. And for people who are not close to God, who are walking away from God, who are rejecting God and his protection, they're targets. And they can be easy, easily manipulated to do evil. And so we see things like this shooting. Uh, I would say that was inspired from hell. You know, normal human beings with healthy minds do not a desire to kill other human beings, you know, even when they've been right. wronged, it's, it's, a, it's not a normal reaction that has to be uh, inspired and fueled with hatred. So that's the problem. But evil is a deprivation of good. It's not, it wasn't created in the beginning. Does right. That kind of sum it up. It does. And so what you're saying is that when you have the good, when you have the goodness of God, along with that comes the evil, which includes the suffering, right? Which includes... It can. It can. It doesn't have to. Of course, in heaven, there's no evil. Right. You know, in the garden, before the serpent shown up, there was no evil. So people would ask questions. This is all the time. Well, if God knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin, why did he put the tree in the garden to begin with? Because again, if there was no way to be obedient, how could Adam and Eve show that they loved God? There had to be at least one thing. There could have been a lot of things. Like for us, we have many commands that God asks us to follow. All he asked of the first uh, parents were don't touch the tree. (laughs) Don't eat of the tree of good knowledge and good news. And you know, that was all they had to stay away from. And yet that's the one thing they go after. 
So he doesn't create evil. He just uh, created good in order uh, to fulfill man. Everything was created for man. The whole universe was created for man. Man was created for God. Right. And I think one of the things that I've been thinking about this week is the fact that it happened in a Christian school on a, a campus that, you know, has a church and where people come to pray. And I'm sure that prayer and reading the Bible and learning about Jesus are all part of what happens there. And, you know, sometimes, and maybe this is like this false belief that we can, if we're saying our prayers, if we're going to church, if we're doing all of the right things, then we can be protected from from evil and from harm coming to our children or our family. And that's one of the things that I've really grappled with this week is that we can't be protected. Like in the middle of this place of worship, this evil act still took place. Yeah, this is true. So what God promises is for the faithful, for those of us who are faithful to God, there's an eternal reward that cannot be stolen from us. And that's heaven. That's the promise. But he never promised this life would be easy. In fact, he said we'd be picking up our crosses daily. So this life was never, well, in the beginning before the fall, it was meant to be paradise. But once the fall happened and Jesus came and said with his very mouth, this life is going to be hard, if you, especially if you follow me. So what I tell people is the most important thing you can give your children is their faith because you want to protect their place in heaven. Um, you do the best to raise them well, and you safeguard them as children. But when you set them free even to the world, uh, you don't know what's going to happen. In fact, these people didn't even have a chance to set their children free. These were only nine years old. It is a tragedy. Um, but if those children loved God and those teachers loved God and they were obedient to what he asked of them, we believe they would be with him. Right. You know, partic- particularly that their life was taken so so tragically and unfairly, they did nothing to deserve this. So we believe that, you know, the instant they were shot is <clears throat> horrible and tragic to think about. But in the moment of death, they have a guardian angel with them. And I would say even in cases of extreme uh, harm like this, I would imagine maybe even Our Lady herself shows up to uh, put them at, re- at ease and at rest and, and to lead them towards paradise. So although they might have suffered for a few seconds, um, the the, the joy would have come immediately because, you know, we know these kids were good kids. We know they loved God. We know they believed in Jesus. They were just singing songs that morning, uh, you know, in praise of God. So, yeah, the tragedy is is in the loss of life cut short and for the poor families that have to go on without their children and for the teachers without their spouses and mothers. Uh, but, um, you know, we we do believe that for those who believe that they will be in paradise with God. That's where we put our hope. Exactly. And that does bring comfort. It does bring comfort to know that in that moment that you don't want to think about when it happened. I do believe that the Blessed Mother, the angels, that they were welcomed in to heaven, that like in that moment, we think there's so much pain and suffering, but God and his goodness is there. One of the things that I kept thinking about as I was as watching everything unfold, and it was so heartbreaking to see the the children loaded on the buses and taken to the church, and then the parents rushing in up the steps. It was something that 
no parent ever wants to be a part of or encounter. And what kept coming to me were the words, Jesus wept. I was going back to our gospel reading this past Sunday with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And when it talked yeah, about John, Jesus wept and it uh, also, 1135, it's yes. funny. I was just thinking about that myself. Yes. And it talked about the, the part that I went back to was when Mary went out, I pulled that gospel out and reread it on Monday as all this was happening. And, and Mary went out and sought out Jesus. And it says in there that, Jesus was perturbed, he was deeply troubled, and Jesus wept. And to me, that was so comforting that we have this this God who's also fully human, who he was deeply troubled on Monday. And I'm sure that as I sat at home and cried tears and, you know, parents were crying tears, people were everywhere were crying that Jesus was also weeping. Jesus probably cried many, many tears on Monday. Yeah, I'm not so sure. <clears throat> Let me tell you why. First of all, Jesus here is weeping with over Lazarus, and Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead in about five minutes. Isn't that kind of odd? He's crying out of the human pain of seeing the suffering sisters. He's seeing the suffering sisters. Right. Lazarus doesn't feel anything. Um, and Jesus knows in about five minutes, Lazarus is going to be walking out of that tomb. So it's amazing to me that he's still crying because he has such, such an incredibly tender heart. But um, in the case of this thing, I can only imagine as he's watching the little ones walk into the bright light of heaven, how he must have been just smiling and beaming to, to welcome them. Yes, You know, and I don't like canonizing people, but truly children that young are, are, you, are kind of set apart as being pretty much innocent. Uh, and I'm not going to declare they're in heaven, but certainly they, they would have no reason to think they would be blocked from heaven. Uh, but I would have to imagine he would, everybody that walks through the gates of paradise, I think is welcome with a big smile and a big hug. Absolutely. And I think when I talk about Jesus weeping, it's that we have a God who understands our pain. Like he sees those parents and those families, like oh, yeah. even people watching, like he understands that pain. He's able to recognize that pain and he's in that pain when those things happen with us. He is. In fact, I'd say he carries the burden, the most of the burden of the pain. I know people that are going through it would, would maybe not agree with that, but he does shoulder the burdens uh, much more than we would imagine. Yes. So when we talk about this pain and when you were talking earlier about you have to have, you know, there's good and there's this evil in this world that we live. And one of the things that I often tell my life coaching clients, one of the concepts that we work through is you have to have the joy to understand the heartache and the, the pain. You have, like they, they don't balance each other, but you have to know one to know the other. And so in the middle of this, 
Can you talk about the purpose of that pain? What we can do in the pain and in the suffering to help us grow closer to Christ, but also to help others? Yeah, for for the people who, there's nothing worse than wasted suffering, I, I always tell people. So before Jesus, suffering would have been wasteful. There was no reason to have a, a purpose to suffering. But after Jesus, because we're part of his mystical body, our suffering can be united to his passion on the cross. And we give our suffering to him and ask him to convert it to grace to save souls. He does this. This is how he operates. And so our and to the degree that you're suffering is the degree that he can convert more people, save more souls, bring more people back to his kingdom. Um, so the, these poor families have, you know, the, the highest degree of suffering possible. And so there would be a tremendous amount of good that, that could be accomplished by them offering their suffering to God, that he would use their suffering to go rescue people who are far from him. It's uh, God allows evil for the sake of sacrifice. The one perfect sacrifice was Jesus Christ on the cross, uh, of which he never had a single sin himself. He took all of our sins upon himself on that cross. And Jesus takes the punishment for us and for our families and our friends and our parishes, for everybody. He takes all this suffering and the punishment. Um, and his sacrifice did what the animal sacrifices from the Old Testament sacrifice could not do. So, you know, in, in Hebrews, um, Paul points out that it's impossible for the blood of, of bulls and goats to take away sins. However, God becoming man had the full capacity to take away sin. So that's why he did it. Um, and, and he didn't deserve that. The last person on earth that deserved that was him because he never did a, one thing wrong his whole life. So when we looked at when there's unjustified evil, we have to turn to the, the pinnacle of unjustified evil was a man killing God in the person of Jesus Christ. And look what he did with that event. It was the worst thing that happened in the history of the world. And from it came the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of the world. We don't understand what's going to come out of this, but we know God can use it for good. He can bring about a greater good. And the only reason he would allow such a thing to happen is for that purpose. Right. And I think it's appropriate when this episode airs, we will be in the, the middle of Holy Week. And so when you talked about Jesus the, is the sacrifice, like that was the biggest sacrifice. We're getting ready to go into that week that's full of pain and suffering and sacrifice where, like you said, we see the greatest sorrow become the greatest joy and the greatest gift we've ever been given. Yeah, it's true. Uh, what people, you know, when you turn on the news now, this happens every time a shooting like this occurs. Um, immediately, there's, it goes political. So there's one side saying, get rid of all the guns. The other side says it's all mental illness issues. It's it's probably both, but the reason for all evil is sin, and and God tells us that the wage of sin is death. Every evil in the world is the result of sin, whether it be cancer or a gun shooting or heart attack, anything. It's all the wage of sin. So, 
I, I, the bishops know this. I, I don't know why more bishops aren't standing up saying we need to start, you know, putting, uh, forming our people into being virtuous individuals and moving away from sin. Because the more we move into sin, the more problems we're going to have. And that's what's happening right now in not just the United States, in the whole world. It's one of the greatest uh, times of people leaving God behind in the history of man. And look at what's happening. I mean, you could track this on a graph. But what you say is true. Christ's empty tomb is proof that sin and death have been fully conquered. And one day evil will be eternally removed. So the conquering is done, and that, that's what opened heaven. And, and that's we always have to put our hope in, the, in that. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and his promise of heaven. Um, that's the only thing I think that could get a parent through something like this, is to right. think my, my, my kids are safe, and they're happy, and they're waiting for me. Right. And, and I was also thinking through this that – as you build the foundation of your faith life, as you go to church and you read scripture, receive the Eucharist and all the prayers that you pray, that you don't ever want it to prepare you for something like this, but it does prepare you. Like you have a foundation and something to fall back on. And that is comforting that even though things don't make sense and our our humanly brains want to try to, you know, make it logical and make sense and be able to explain it. But that's where we fall back on our spiritual life and our relationship with Christ that we don't understand this. Maybe it'll be clear one day when we get to heaven, but we'll never understand this or the the other tragedies that happen while we're here on earth. Yes, this is very true. And, you know, Many people might look at this tragedy, and which it truly is a tragedy. But you know, the art to dying well is living well. And um, all those six people, if they really lived good, holy lives, despite the the violent way their life ended, if they got into heaven, they died well. That's the right. end of the story. And I always tell the story of a little Saint Dominic Sabia, who's only twelve years old when he was being mentored by St. Don Bosco and he was out playing soccer one day with his friends and Don Bosco said to them, what would you do if you had an hour left to live? And he thought about it and he ultimately said, I I play soccer. Why did he say that? Because he'd already been to mass. He'd already prayed his rosary. He had no one to forgive nor anyone to ask pardon from. He was, his life was good and he was ready. He was prepared to die. And so he decided I would just play soccer. And you know what? Two years later, he did die. And um, we believe he went to heaven and he's now a canonized saint. So it's it's in the living well that we we die well, regardless of how we die or if we're if it's taken from us suddenly or not. Uh, dying well is all about living well. And living well is living a life centered around uh, Jesus Christ. Right. So, and I, I guess the, the other question we have is, what can I do? How can I make a difference? And from the story you just shared, what you do is you live your life well. You go to church, you um, grow deeper in your faith, and you share that with others. Exactly. The greatest gift we can give our kids is their faith. It's a difficult time because the devil's working overtime to rob kids of their faith, and he's very good at it. Um, 
So you have to really instill it. And then you just consecrate them to the Blessed Mother and you give them over to her. You know, all the grace comes from God. But Mary is a dispenser of that grace. And just like the dad is the um, the head of the household, uh, the, the mother is the heart of the household. And I would say that in the mystical body of Christ, Mary's not only the heart, but she's the neck. And the graces that come flow through the head that Jesus go through the neck, and she disperses those graces to the body. So uh, for the parents that have kids that are off the path, uh, don't lose hope. Consecrate them over to Our Lady, and then you pray your rosary every day for them. And they will come back. They will come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Father Dan. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom and your insight. I know you've given me a lot to think about and brought me comfort. Will you close us with a prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father. Looks like I get dropped. You did. All right. (laughs) Will you close? We'll, We'll continue. Will you close us with a prayer? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of this new day, for the gift of this new opportunity to adore you and love you, and thank you for all the gifts, graces, and blessings in our life, those both known and unknown, those both visible and invisible. And we ask you to make us into the saints you created us to be, that we could be your light in this dark world. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Dan, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. For more information on Catholic Moms in the Middle or to set up your complimentary Moms in the Middle mentoring session, go to CatholicMomsInTheMiddle.com or find me on Facebook at Catholic Moms in the Middle for even more encouragement and support as you embrace this next season of life. The music for this podcast was written by Sean Williams, Catholic composer and musician. You'll find more of Sean's original music at musicbyshawnwilliams.com. That is musicbyshawn, S-H-A-W-N, williams.com. 